A young, jet-setting couple sets out on the trip of a lifetime, two world travelers ready to face adventure together. But what they faced was something much worse. A nation was on edge as two violent killers evaded capture. Until now. This week's episode is The Canada Road Trip Murders. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinister What's the best road trip you've ever been on? Oh, my gosh. Great question. Okay. <laughs> so uh, my friend Heather Hanahan, <laughs> hyphen Hennessy, she's married now. She gets so mad because I call her by her maiden name. Heather she... Hannison Hennessy? Wait, what is her full name? Heather Hennessy. But what's her? what was her maiden name? Hanahan. Heather there were Hanahan two... Hennessy. To be fair, it's just Hennessy now. She changed it. I to know, be fair. but if you were going to incorporate her Correct. maiden name, that is... Triple H. <laughs> She's a wrestler. She's but she, she, there were two Heathers at our job, and they used to call us by our last names. So I feel bad when I accidentally call her by her, la- her old last name, but that was like the name. That's how you knew her. Yeah, yeah correct. Because yeah, yeah. we had Heather number one and number two. But she came to Dallas, and we had a designated driver, and we had uh, daiquiris that you get uh-huh. from drive through daiquiri yeah, stands. Yeah. And we were driven by someone else to Austin. Oh, that's fun. And we stopped at various daiquiri stands on the way. So we had one in Dallas, one in Waco. Oh. Took a little side trek to clean, which was a little bit out of the way. But we had Just little, for daiquiris? Yeah, it was called a liquid cocaine out of a, a dirty brick little shack. Uh, the one in Waco was called a Beetlejuice. Very good. And of course, I got the Dallas, my go-to Dallas classic, the Suck Me Dry, the yes. number 19, at the Think I'm Playing Daiquiri stand mm-hmm. by Fuel City Tacos. Yep. And also the jail. Yes. Conveniently located. Yes. The drive through get out, you just take a drive on through and get you a suck me dry. Yes. You got suck dry in jail, <laughs> and now you can get suck dry at the daiquiri stand. Exactly. You were released from loose stare. What do you want? A hamburger? You can have anything. <laughs> Give me that suck me dry. That's what I'm calling for. God, I love a good suck me dry. Anyway, mm. that's my... What about you? I was just thinking, I asked this question without having an answer, which is... Business 101, don't, I think. <laughs> I think lawyering, too. They say never ask a question yeah. you don't already know the answer yeah. to. So uh, that's why I'm not a lawyer or in business. You're, 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 I guess you're we're all in business. Funny business. <laughs> the funny business, yeah. <laughs> well, I, actually, I do have an answer because my honeymoon was essentially was a, a two-week. Yeah. Okay. I apologize for everything I just said that I did. You know, it's, I've never been on a good road trip. <laughs> I mean, my honeymoon was a road trip. I'm like, well... My honeymoon was great. It was a two-week road trip up the coast of California. Ooh, very nice. We started in L.A. and ended in San Francisco. So you flew to L.A., rented a car? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we flew to L.A. My brothers live in L.A., so we stayed there for, I think, two nights and went to Harry Potter and stuff. That's where I threw up on myself. That's right, in the Hogwarts. In the Hippogriff. Right. Which I have since wait, found out wasn't it the hippogriff? No, I thought you, the hippogriff. You did. I thought you flew, they threw up in the adventure through Hogwarts where they spin you around and it's like the three D thing. I because one of them. I don't, a, hippogriff's kind of a baby roller coaster. 
Oh, and then the in Adventure Through Hogwarts is it's okay. One then of that's these. the one. Yeah, you don't you can't see what she's doing, but she's jerking herself around. It was Not Adventures. Off. I'm in, jerking myself around. <laughs> Adventures in Hogwarts. I have since learned from my brother who was just there a few months ago. Mm-hmm. It is no longer 3D. What? And I was like, I bet you it's because so many people threw up on that ride. Because <laughs> when I went on it, it was only about a month old. Oh. So I was they like, flew too close or to I shut it down. They flew too close to that goddamn screen through <laughs> Hogwarts with that snitch. Man, I lasted like one minute in that ride before I just went, oh, God. <laughs> Come on, follow us to the Quidditch pitch. <laughs> oh, man. That was, oh, that man. was a doozy. So That's a good road trip, though. It was great. And we didn't, we had like certain places we wanted to hit. Mm-hmm. But if we found a town and we just wanted to stay there, we did that. that we didn't, it was very relaxing. We didn't have deadlines or pressures or anything. So mm-hmm. if we wanted to stay somewhere a little longer or a little shorter, and it was a lot of fun. That's Tons so nice fun. when it's, you're there to be present and do whatever, mm-hmm. you know, go which way the wind blows. It was. And That's it blew so us fun. up the coast. Right up the coast. Yeah, it was great. So that was my favorite road trip. That's so nice. It was. This was not a fun road no, trip this, for these people. No, not at all. This is interesting because I think this is the first case we have done where it's still kind of ongoing. Correct. And it just recently happened, less than a month ago. Yes. This is one of the only ongoing, except for unsolved mysteries that we've sure. done. This is one that's an ongoing true crime. That was a suggestion from a listener. Several listeners. And then one of my friends who's a listener sent me an article the other day and said, you might not have heard about this. It just happened. And I said, well, you're not going to believe this, but this is actually the episode we're doing. So we've had a lot of people interested in this. And it is... It's a sad, sad tale. It it really affected me, especially the video we'll talk about. Yeah. It made me cry. These are the types that really affect me because they're just so out of the blue and senseless mm-hmm. and just wrong place, wrong time. Definitely. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And this week we're talking about the Canadian road trip murders is what we're calling them and what some of the news stories we've seen have called them, too. The victims were China Deese and Lucas Fowler. And Leonard Dyke. And Leonard Dyke. Yes, there were three. So let's get into it. In 2017, 24-year-old American China Deese was vacationing in Croatia when she met Lucas Fowler, a 24-year-old Australian, at the hostel where they were both staying. China was described by friends and family as a free spirit who loved to travel the world. After she met Lucas, the pair quickly became a couple and began traveling together throughout Europe, Central America, and Asia. So it's kind of a fairy tale love story that you meet a gorgeous traveler from the other side of the world, mm-hmm. you fall in love. And, and then you, you just see... continue to travel together. Yeah, you get to see the world together. Mm-hmm. That's pretty magical. The pair's romance continued to become more serious, with Lucas visiting China at her home in North Carolina, where her big southern family welcomed him with open arms. Over the three months he spent with the family, they celebrated Thanksgiving and Christmas together. China's mother described Lucas as part of our family immediately, adding that China and Lucas were kindred spirits. Australian and Southern is a fun combo. I love that. Yeah. I like two, you know, like she said, adventurous people, kindred spirits, and also really cool accents. Both have very fun accents. That's true. Yeah. If they had children, that would be an interesting accent if the child picked up on both southern and australian on, I, i'd like I, to hear that accent 
I don't even know if I could try to do that, but <laughs> there, did I tell you about the girl that pretended to be Australian in Chicago? Did I never tell you that story? Is this the same girl that pretended to have amnesia? No, totally different one. <laughs> this was, I don't know if she was doing a bit in her interview, but it was, she interviewed at Sea Dog and she pretended to be Australian. How did you know she wasn't? She, I think she knew someone that worked on another one of the boats and they said, yeah, she's, no, she's from the suburbs. <laughs> so she came in with she, a full Australian accent. It wasn't even very good. And she said, oh, I'm, ex- I'm very interested in working on the boats or whatever. I can't even do. It was, so if she had been hired, she was going to keep this up? When she was hired, she <gasps> was forced to keep it up and say, we got three different boat rides you can go on. Did anyone ever address it? I just said, why is her accent so weird and so bad? And I think that like half the people just thought that's how she that she had an Australian accent. Well, who's going to question that? That's exactly right. Some people, it's like pretending to have amnesia, which, by the way, got a DM from someone from high school fully remembered. They remembered the amnesia person and remembered the person with whom the amnesia person had broken up with. And so we still can't figure out her name, but we now know the... the you're one You're one step closer to solving <laughs> this mystery. Let's solve mystery. <laughs> we know the victim. This will uh, be the cold case we yes, solve. That's finally, finally we got one. But yeah, she pretended solidly. How long did she work there? The whole summer. So three months. Mm-hmm. She spoke in a fake accent. For three months. And you're sure it was fake. Yes, somebody said she's from the suburbs. And that person is they, like, not... Knew lying i I mean i didn't put him hook him up to a detector but i'm trying to reconcile in my brain which is more likely that person doing a bit bit yeah fucking with you you guys saying that she's not really australian or someone willing to dig in and keep up an australian accent for which is not an easy accent to do for three months i think it was when elise was manager elise text me i think that that the the fake australian was when she was our manager wow it was so weird to dig in maybe she wasn't fake no i think it was fake because she also either that or maybe she lived in the u.s for long enough her accent started to wane but i knew a british guy who legitimately was british in chicago and he had lived there since he was like six and his british accent was still Britishy. Oh, every British person I know it's inside is, of them. is Britishy. Yeah. They still sound <laughs> my friend Daniel Alter who listens. He's very British and he's lived here for a long time and he It's not gonna sounds, wear off. It hasn't yet. So hers I think she was cracking. I think Interesting. She, Do you yeah. remember her name? You don't say it, but uh 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 you somebody don't? from Sea Dog. Right, somebody figure this out. I'm gonna I'm going to find this girl and figure out the fake Australian. Because this is very interesting. It's just the thing with the fake amnesia and the fake Australian that I think I'm so fascinated by is that it's taking advantage of the people around you in such a small way. You know, who the the amnesia is a little bit more harmful because she's gaslighting a man to date her. But the fake Australian, what harm is it that she's just pretending to be Australian, except for she's theoretically lying to everyone, but it's not, she's not using it to get money or to maybe... No, she probably, maybe she was dared. Or maybe she... Or she just thought it was fun. She's like, yeah, I just want to do this for the summer. Maybe she's just a weird, quirky person. But on the other side, I want to get to the bottom of stuff. I'm that annoying person that wants to... Are you really... Here's what would have been great. Australian. If she had met someone romantically at Sea Dog. Oh, no. And then at some point, you keep the she's either got to keep it up or forever have a fake accent. And then have to at get her point, family to do fake point, accents. At some point, she's got to get everybody involved. This is, the, this is a plot of a Hallmark Christmas movie. It is. At some point, though, I think it... Down under for the holidays. <laughs> oh, I like it. I'm writing it already. Add it to our list of things Copyright. we're writing. Copyright. I think at some point, it becomes how you talk. 
Okay. You've talked for that for so kind you of like when so long. Like Madonna has that fake British accent now, or when Lindsay Lohan like went to Dubai, and then we're like, get the fuck over yourself. You don't you sound don't. like that. <laughs> yeah, like you. They just you kind of adopt this way of talking because you're around it a lot, I guess. Or you just like if, at some point you've just done it so long you forget what your normal real, voice sounds yeah, like. Your real voice sounds lose like. yourself, like Jim Carrey and, or Eminem and. <laughs> <laughs> I just read this whole article about Jim Carrey when what was the movie? Andy Kaufman. Yes, on the when he and he like lost himself in that character. Have you watched that Netflix documentary, the Jim and Andy? No, Tommy did though. Uh, made me cry. It was so yeah, good. yeah. But yeah, he you really yeah get lost. In it that took role. him months to even remember things he liked as Jim Carrey because he was wow. so deep into That's that. That's a dedicated character. actor. One more question, then we can go back to the story. Yeah. Do you think Andy Kaufman's still alive? No. I do. Really? Or was. I think he lived for like a longer time afterwards. With that, with that, let's do an episode. Okay, okay. I want to do an episode on Andy Kaufman. All right, Kaufman. cool. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. That would be a good one. Well, China also planned on heading to Australia someday to meet Lucas's family, including his dad, who was a chief inspector with the New South Wales Police Department. In summer 2019, Lucas was hired to work on a cattle ranch in British Columbia, the adventurous couple was ready for their next big trip and thought this would be the perfect start. China made plans to visit the ranch, where she would stay for a week. The pair would then spend the next two weeks visiting the breathtaking national parks Canada had to offer. Neither the Deeses nor the Fowlers were concerned for the safety of their loved ones, as China and Lucas were experienced travelers and had meticulously planned out their trip. Surveillance footage at a gas station shows the couple in Fort Nelson on July 13, 2019, hugging and enjoying being together. China wraps her arms around Lucas's neck after he sets their 1986 blue Chevrolet van to fill up with gas. Lucas then wraps his arms around her back and holds her lovingly for a moment. Literally, this footage makes me cry. It's very sad. It's 19 seconds long, and it's so beautiful. It's like a little you're just poem. Seeing a, you're just seeing True. A, a bird's eye view, a, a fly on the wall of a couple truly in love, just doing... Generally, just enjoying each other. Yeah, just genuinely. doing something couples in love do. Which the Thoughtless, mo- thoughtlessly, exactly like you are, you know, whatever, holding the baby, and Tommy just comes by and just kisses you on the yeah, cheek. Yeah. It's just a just a moment. It's not anything special. It's just I just want to hug you. But right it's now. all it is those special. But it things. is that's the, that's the building blocks of joy in our yes, lives. Yeah. Are these just the tiny little moments together where exactly. you are filling up a gas, filling up a van with gas, and you give each other a kiss. That's why these stories are so hard. Yeah. Although the van was gassed up, Lucas and China experienced some difficulty after leaving the gas station. The next day, July 14th, they ended up stranded alongside the highway, just two days into their three-week journey. Mechanic Curtis Broughton and his wife Sandra were also traveling along that very highway, Alaska Highway 97, when they saw the blue van pulled over with its hood up around 3.30 p.m. Do you ever stop to help anybody? On the side of the road? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, nothing comes to mind. I just feel like I, you, I, you call the police. Yeah. Triple A. I just, ironically enough, I've been very into, I talked about this last week, Am I the Asshole? Oh, yeah. There was one on Reddit the other day about someone who asked, Am I the Asshole? Because I didn't stop and help someone that had been in a motorcycle accident on the side of the road. But... Where they live, and for privacy purposes, they didn't go into it, but it's a stretch of road that's, like, very wooded. I imagine kind of like this, and cell reception is very bad. Mm. 
but it's known because it's so secluded for robberies. And people a lot of times have been robbed because someone will be faking an injury or like they need help on the side of the road. Somebody gets out to help them and then somebody else ambushes them. Oh, yeah. So I think I can understand not stopping. Well, she didn't stop and she was trying to call 911 and she couldn't get service. She finally, when she got out of the area, got service and it had been like 15 minutes and the ambulance went to him and then she later found out he died. And it was this big thing of she had so much guilt. If I had stopped, then maybe the timeline would have been different and I could have saved him. But everyone was like, you are no way an asshole. No. Because chances are he was going to die anyways. Well, and she is she if she said, I am a trauma surgeon and I had all right. my tools with me and I could. But in that case, you're going to maybe be the person that holds their hand while they exactly. go. Yeah. But. Uh, and even then, if uh, if they're even conscious, but her dr- keeping on driving actually probably was helpful because that's, exactly. you know, 15 minutes sooner that someone got there mm-hmm. versus if she pulled over and stopped and then 15 minutes later, the next yeah. person, you know, so unless yeah. she said, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm a surgeon and I was ready to perform surgery right there. You can't really yeah. do anything. But it is so much guilt that you live with. But it's those things. I did stop. Well, I saw a very bad accident. And I had to stop because I was about to run over the man that had been thrown out of his car on the highway. Jeez. So I did get out of my car and go to him and he was unconscious. But and I called 911 then. But I didn't. I was just thinking about this after I read that. It didn't occur to me to try and perform CPR. And I know CPR or anything like that. It was just called 911. Yeah. So. I don't think I would stop to help someone because, especially now as a parent, there's just too much to risk. I I would want to help someone else, but you got to put your own family first and your own safety. Have you? Um, I actually have been the victim of like a blowout. I said the victim of, you know, like I had a blowout and someone stopped and helped or, you know, I ran out of gas. My parents came and got me. But I think I've always just been more the I'll call 911 for you. Yeah, I'll do that Because I can't help. I'm not a mechanic. I can't. I barely know first aid. I should get better at that. <laughs> I mean, I would make it worse. <laughs> like, I'm a disaster. Please, ma'am. I'm hurting enough. Could you go back to your I car? I was fine until you stepped on my foot. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm so sorry, sir. I was just trying to help. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with not stopping. Yeah, I think so. It's it's unless you're the Read cause. Read the situation. Well, unless yeah. you're the cause yes, of the yeah. if, I, if I accidentally ran some off the road, I would stop yes. to help them. Yes. But yeah, if you just witness something, I don't think there's anything wrong. No. Well, beside the van on the side of the road, Lucas and China sat in folding chairs, eating and taking a break. The mechanic and his wife stopped to offer their assistance, but Lucas told the man the van's engine was just flooded and they simply needed to wait it out. Then they thanked the mechanic and his wife and continued to sit beside their van, waiting for the engine to recover. Sandra spoke with CBC News later and indicated that Lucas knew what he was doing and was confident that they would be okay. They didn't seem in distress. They seemed like a young couple in love, just on the road trip in their van going north. Later that evening on the same stretch of highway, road worker Alondra Hull saw a bearded man who appeared to be arguing with the couple. While China and Bryce appeared to be bothered by the man, Alondra had a bad feeling and, unlike the Broughtons, didn't pull over to help. She later told the local news, If you just get a bad feeling, and that's what I had, you just don't stop. I gotta agree with that. If I saw two people arguing on the side, I would not pull over to stop. Oh, one time when Tommy and I would carpool together because we worked at the same office, 
we were on 635 in rush hour in the morning and this road, we saw a road rage incident between two women and one of them was trying to cut the other one off. They were screaming each other, flipping each other off. One of them got out of the car. The, it was the car directly in front of us and then the car in front of her. So the one two in front of us gets out of her car, big lady comes to the one in in the car in front of us and just starts screaming at her and reaches through the window and just punches the lady (gasps) in the face. No. The other. So then that lady gets out. She is much smaller than the first lady and they just start going at it. And the big lady is beating the shit out of her and has her on the, I mean, traffic is at a standstill, has her on 635, just pummeling her on the ground. And I'm on the phone with 911. And finally, I was like, babe, you got to do something. Like, they're going to fucking kill each other. Why I got him involved, I don't know. It was also our anniversary. So happy anniversary, Tommy. <laughs> and he gets out of the car. No, and he doesn't. He does. He got out of the car and goes over there. And he pulled the big lady off the no. small lady. She turns around and shoves him. And at no. this point, I was like, oh, God damn. Now Tommy, I'm about to get involved. Tommy, you're like, don't you push my man. <laughs> I'm about to get involved. And I'm like, fuck. And I'm on the phone with the cops. And then like, all of hold, hold on a second. I got to beat somebody's ass. <laughs> I got to take off my shoes and my earrings. I'll be right back. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, ten dudes just flood the scene and, like, pull them off of each other. It's like a riot. It was. Well, because people were, like, running across the highway. Because this woman's like, help, get her off me, help. Oh, also, one point, she took her purse and threw it off the side of the highway. Like, we're on the overpass. What? Yeah, she threw... Wait, they were fighting on an overpass? For those of you who don't know, outside the Dallas area, 635 is a massive six-lane freeway. It's a goddamn nightmare. It's a nightmare, but it connects the whole city because it's circular-shaped. And then there's real big, tall bridges. It was on one of the bridges. Stories high. I mean, it's 20 stories high. So then I was like... Fuck, what if she just picks up Tommy, because this woman is big, and just tosses him over the edge? So I'm like, get back in the car. And He's like, you just told me to get out of the car. He has blood on his shirt. No. Yeah. His so shirt then, is evidence. Yeah. So then the women both get back in their cars. Also, one of their, re- the glasses one of them was wearing got stomped in the process. So one of them is now driving blind, presumably. And they get in their car and start chasing each other through traffic, but nobody can move. They wouldn't give up. And the well, one of them was trying to get away, and the other one's like, "Oh hell no!" And she starts following her, oh but they're just like inching through traffic because the traffic is at a standstill. Low speed. Chase. I'm like, I'm like, where are the cops? Jesus Christ! I mean, it went on for like a half hour. Send seemed. a cop on a horse or somebody that can get yeah, through. Yeah, or a motorcycle. Yeah. So then they left, and I was like, still on the phone with the cops. And I'm like, well, they just drove off. And then Tommy's got blood on his shirt. We get to work and <laughs> we and tell Tommy her, comes in and goes, it's our anniversary. <laughs> oh, that's why you got blood in your shirt. Say no more. And our boss that we were friends with, he's like, do you want to take that to the dry cleaners down the street? So yeah, it was a doozy. Great. Best anniversary we've ever had. That is so yeah. So, so that crazy. kind of shit, but that kind of shit scares me too. Cause you're yeah. like, you don't know who's packing heat these days. It's something true. like that happens. Or somebody's just, they're going to turn and start wailing on you. They don't care. If some, yeah. In hindsight, I should never have asked my husband to get out of the car and go help. But I just saw like this woman getting beaten. I mean, severely. Well, and it's the bystander effect. Everyone else assumes someone else is going to yeah. get out and help. So he actually 
probably started the trend of all the other people. Or they're like, out. this guy's about to get his ass kicked by this lady. <laughs> I gotta go help She's him. like a foot taller than him. <laughs> and has about 200 pounds on him. Like, she was big. Man, ready to wail on some yeah, people. Yeah, I think about that all the time. Like, what the rest they... of the, those people's days look exactly like. exactly what I was thinking. What do you, they just go to work and go, <clears throat> anyway, welcome to Starbucks. Can I, uh, or like. <laughs> One of them was in nurse's scrubs. Oh my God. Yeah. Let me take your blood pressure. Get out. Put Mine's your arm out. very high right now. Let's see how yours compares. At least she can stitch herself up at the Yeah, hospital. I'm sure they were sore as shit, especially the one. You got a good workout for the day. <laughs> it also, like, that stuff you could have PTSD over. Well, and true, and you can you don't know if somebody's slamming somebody against the concrete. Yeah. That's like a head injury mm-hmm. or something. She's a nurse. She probably knew where to hit. <laughs> she probably did. God damn. I don't know. Man, if you're out there, I think about you both. <laughs> it's an anniversary to remember. Every time I drive on 635. If which... any of the listeners, if you or someone you know has been in a fist fight on 635, <laughs> DM us. <laughs> Or if you saw it, as many listeners are local, there's a good chance somebody else witnessed that. Especially or a de- I mean, it's probably not the only one this happened in 635. Sure, there's probably a, lot of a daily fights. occurrence. But yeah, if you see somebody that looks like they're aggressive or yelling, I, f- I feel it with this lady that got you know interviewed. Yes, by I agree with Alondra. The news you don't, you don't, don't stop. stop. You don't, don't stop. Stop. Well, on the morning of July 15th, 2019, the bodies of a young man and young woman were found in a ditch along Alaska Highway 97 on a stretch near Liard Hot Springs, a popular tourist attraction. A blue 1986 Chevy van was found nearby. The young man had no shoes on, and the female was found with only one shoe. One of the back windows of the van had been blown out. An initial search by police turned up no identification in the van or on either of the bodies. It took police nearly three days to identify the bodies and notify the families in Australia and North Carolina that they were, in fact, Lucas Fowler and China Deese. China's passport had been hidden in the van, according to her brother British Deese, causing police to initially overlook it. British had been worried for the past few days when China was not returning his Snapchats or text. Tragically, his worst fears were now confirmed. That's, you know, you want to give a little bit of leeway when someone's traveling, especially yeah. out in the forest or whatever, that well, maybe the Connection just... might be bad. But man. But you get that gut feeling and then... It just gets worse and yeah. worse and worse, and then your worst fears come true. It's true. And I tend to jump to that. Oh, same. Yeah. It would have been like one Snapchat hadn't been read. Well, they're probably dead. Yeah, like that's instantly. My, that's, I've said before, that's how I catastrophize so much, and my anxiety just like goes from zero to the worst possible scenario. That's what I told you. Our mammal used to see an accident on the highway and would call and say, was that, yeah. was everybody in the family? Okay? Oh, I like, do that yes, too. There's six million I, I am people. a mammal at heart. Yes. <laughs> six million people people but, but you never know <laughs> after we recorded the brian Les pizza episode i had texted paris and he was on his way over and then i texted him again and he didn't respond and i waited 10 minutes and just freaked out and called him and i was like are you okay do you need me to get you he's like i'm driving what do you want <laughs> he's like it's very unsafe to check your phone he when goes, you're driving well, i had to pull over to answer <laughs> oh like, he's so safe he's very safe and i was like can you just I just was worried because you just did an episode about someone have, who wasn't answering. I have Tommy text me when he gets to work every morning. If he, like, when he's on his way home, I do the same. It's just this, you got to check in. You have an understanding uh, loved one. Yes. It. Yeah. My sister and I are the same way with each other. I text you when I'm on my way over here. I know. I like that because it's, if it's been more than four minutes, shit's gone <laughs> That's down. That's true. It only takes me four minutes to get here. Well, on Friday, July 19th. British posted on social media to express what the family was experiencing. I found out why my little sister didn't text me back. She's so deeply woven as a part of my childhood and everyday life. 
I'm forever indebted to her for being such an amazing life companion and giving me so many reasons to smile. Life throws curveballs, and you made everyone easier to handle. This is a curveball I did not expect. Losing you is going to hurt so much. That is rough. That's, you know, when somebody becomes, it's any part of your nuclear family. Mm -hmm. I was just listening to David Sedaris's book, Calypso, and he talks about his losing his sister to suicide and having to say, oh, there were six of us. Yeah. Well, there are six. Well, uh, like, Mm -hmm. how many siblings do you have? I've heard of parents that lose a child and then someone will say, how many children do you have? And they think, well, do I say three? I don't want to dishonor their memory. Mm But really, I have two now, and it's just mm-hmm. – I remember reading something once, and the, the woman who had lost her kid said the first time somebody asked her that, it just caught her completely off guard because she had it's, never prepared for that or thought of punch. that. Yeah, it's and it, she punch. was like – it just uh, it threw me. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, it makes you immediately – you just burst into tears. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He talks about someone said, oh, we have four. Three are alive and one is in heaven or something mm-hmm. like that or one's passed away. So it's yeah. It's I have friends a, that have lost normal. siblings, and they usually say, uh, "There's two, and then our we lost our brother a few years ago, or something mm-hmm. like that." Yeah, it's kind of like the new, new normal. Yeah, figuring it out. Well, Lucas's family also released a statement through his father's office at the New South Wales Police Force that the family lost their son in the most terrible of circumstances, and that they were, of course, devastated. And as, as a police officer too, I'm sure. Well, you, it just affects you differently. And it's probably every worst crime scene is, you know, going through your mind yeah. and, you know, everything you imagine is even worse than. Exactly. While it is known that China and Lucas were shot, details of what exactly happened have not yet been released. However, the victim's families were told open casket funerals would not be possible, leaving one to speculate on the brutality of this crime. That's. You almost feel like you can't even say goodbye. Yeah. You have no closure. I mean, they left. You wouldn't have met in a million years think this would happen. So, you know, you say goodbye with the intention of you're going to see them in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then now you can't even see them one last time. Mm-mm. So, yeah, that closure is just that's not it's hard, hard to, to come with. by. Yeah. Although some speculated this was the act of a serial killer. Police assured the public that this was an isolated incident. But the police may have spoken too soon. That same day, July 19th. Tragedy struck again when 300 miles away, police discovered a burning pickup truck along the side of the road. The burning truck belonged to two missing teenagers from Port Alberni in British Columbia, who police believed were in danger. Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski told their parents they were traveling to Whitehorse in the Yukon Territory to look for summer work. Having been unable to reach the young men, their families presumed the journey had simply knocked them out of cell phone range. Two kilometers away from the teen's burning truck, police found a body at a nearby highway pullout. But it wasn't Cam or Briar. It was Leonard Dyke, a 64-year-old former Vancouver University professor. Leonard had recently retired from his teaching career and was enjoying his newfound free time. According to his family, Leonard loved the outdoors and interacting with nature. They issued a statement saying, He was a loving husband and father. His death has created an unthinkable grief, and we are struggling to understand what happened. This man had just retired, was out in the woods, just in, living his life, and who knows what took place. Exactly. And you, it's every crime is a tragedy, right? For sure. But the, these three in particular were 
like you said, A, so senseless, but B, it's these people that are genuinely finding the most joyful parts of life. Yeah. Traveling, being in love, seeing that they're at their happiest side. moments. You're when at your something, happiest moment. When the worst moment of their life happens the to them. The worst thing. He's This guy was a, you know, a professor of botany. He loved the outdoors. He loved nature and he's down and looking at. Yeah. And had just retired just retired he was big ready, milestone ready to see the countryside and it's just all three of these it was it was people taken while doing something they absolutely loved i often try to think because like you just said all crimes are tragedy all murder especially is tragedy absolutely. why is it about murders like these that in my head for some reason are different than a serial killer murder or something like that because they're still the most tragic murders ever but maybe it is because these people it's just but even i would i would say unexpected but a serial i mean Ted Bunny, those are unexpected yeah. too so i don't know what it is i think it's what we as human beings like put our normally functioning human beings put ourselves in the position of, of empathize and empathize and if someone's bungee jumping off the coast of bali well i'm never ever going to do that and something tragic ha- tra- tragic happens to them i think oh my gosh that's so tragic but i think when something is so they're doing something so benign like stop you to, can relate to that stopping to smell the flowers or going on a road trip you think well i go on road trips mm-hmm. and it makes it almost makes you feel more connected because you think that's something that i like to do you know it's yeah. just, oh someone was hiking up in the wilderness well i'm like i don't ever go hiking i'm that's never you know yeah it's tragic i can empathize just as losing a person but for the personal safety fear factor that we all have where you think oh my gosh i want to keep myself safe i want to do everything possible not to be in danger they weren't doing anything dangerous. These sure. people were driving down the road. This guy was hanging out, re- enjoying his retirement. Yeah. So it's one thing if you say, oh, man, you know, they went to a drug deal in, in you know, a, a crime-ridden area. You can you can self-preservation-wise think in your head, well, I'll never go to that area. Right. And I'll never go to buy drugs from a parking Therefore, lot. Therefore, I'm safe. Therefore, I'm safe. But this, I think, shakes that personal safety that you feel of mm-hmm. like, well, I could easily just be going on a road yeah. trip and pumping gas in my car. That that could be me. I think I also thought of another thing as far as high profile cases mm-hmm. or serial killers. I think the media sensationalizing them almost makes you a bit numb to the reality of it. It takes it maybe puts a step between you and that where you think, oh, it's a serial killer. It's a one in a million this yeah. is like a Hollywood case. I yeah. would never, I'm not important. I would never be on a case like yeah. that. But this is so just everyday, benign. Just These are just everyday people. I mean, they're all, and that's again, is. they're all everyday people. But I think, yeah, I think. But because there's not documentaries made about them and they're mm-hmm. not all over the news and, you know, Billy books Jensen have talks been about written. this in his book. That he talks about that he it's important for him to investigate cases that are about people that are not going to the they're not going to get the news coverage. The 99 percent that yeah. are never going to get a documentary about them, never going to get a book or an article about them. That it's, he did help Michelle McNamara write her book. But yeah, his day to day crime solving, which is what he does, is yeah. utilizing social media and Facebook and stuff to so- actually solve active crimes. Yes, he's pretty much modern day Sherlock Holmes. Pretty. He kind of looks like Sherlock Holmes too. <laughs> Let's make a movie. <laughs> Copyright. No, I'm kidding. But he he talks about that he wants his job is to focus on the victims that the police and the news and the media are not going to focus on mm-hmm. because they're the ones that need it the most. Underrepresented. Absolutely. Victims. Well, good for him. I hope to follow in his footsteps. Most definitely. 
Well, although the murders of China and Lucas occurred in the same region, the distance between the two crimes of nearly 300 miles did not immediately make the police believe the deaths were related. Authorities had few details to go on, and no obvious motive for the murders, leaving them stumped. In an attempt to find any clues, they asked for the public's help, including any dash cam footage from those who had recently driven along Highway 97. Alondra Hull, the driver that had witnessed the argument on the side of the highway, worked with a sketch artist, and the resulting sketch showed a Caucasian man with darker skin and darker hair, about the same height as Lucas, who was 6'3". The man appeared to have a beard and was wearing glasses. This description potentially matched both those of Cam and Briar, who each stand at 6'4 and weigh 169 pounds. Witness reports also indicated that the man may have been traveling south in an older model Jeep Cherokee with a black stripe on the hood. On July 23rd, Royal Canadian Mounted Police announced the teens were no longer considered missing, but instead were now suspects. Can you imagine for his parents there thinking their kids may also have befallen the same fate? Yeah. These, there are, all of the families in this are tragic also victims. Yeah. Victims as well. The, I mean, the parents of the people that do this, I think about that a lot with Columbine or anything col- like that. One of the Columbine moms wrote a book I'd like to read. I haven't read it yet, but yeah. she wrote a book kind of about that kind of guilt that you think you brought this agent of destruction yeah. into the world. And how devastating, it's just as devastating for them and devastating in a different way as the parents that lost their kids at those kids' hands. Mm-hmm. While they came with a warning that the suspects may have altered their appearance, police issued photos of the young men to the media. Reports began to come in that the duo had been spotted on July 21st, driving a gray 2011 Toyota RAV4 in Meadow Lake, a city in the boreal forest of northwest of northwestern Saskatchewan. Witnesses then reported seeing Cam and Briar in the Gillum area of Manitoba province, a tight-knit town of only about a thousand surrounded by harsh terrain, including dense bush, forest, and swampy areas. Police searching the area tweeted a photo of a polar bear they encountered on their search, further indicating just how remote and rugged the area they were searching was. Polar bears are my favorite animal. They are very deadly also. This photo is terrifying. (laughs) I was like, he's so cute. Look at him. He will tear your face off. They are very, they're very aggressive. It's the deadliest animal in the animal kingdom. Is it? No. Oh. (laughs) That's a really weird deep cut Kevin Smith reference. Oh, I was like, okay. Uh, what makes them your favorite animal? I think because they're fluffy and. Have you ever seen one in real life? Okay. Here's the conspiracy of a lifetime. Because okay, I'm about to tell you they're not as fluffy in real life. Here's the conspiracy. <laughs> this conspiracy goes deeper than JFK, than the oh, Illuminati. Lord. This is, they're allegedly. The advertisements would have one believe that there are polar bears at the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. I myself, in fact, lived in Chicago from 2007 to 2011. And in that time, I went to the Lincoln Park Zoo a bunch of times, like a whole bunch of times. Mathematically speaking, it was a shitload of times. Do you know how many polar bears I saw? Zero. Zero. I went summer, spring, winter, and fall. I went in the they daytime. Just, they I they were never in their area? Never once were they ever, ever in their enclosure. Ever. If you've seen a polar bear at the Lincoln Park Zoo, send me a photo because I'm, I'm sure... Tr- I'm trying to think if I have... I'm trying to think if I've been to the Lincoln Park Zoo. It's the one in the middle of the city that's free and you just wander in. I went at nighttime, daytime, early morning, evening, doesn't matter. There was- so you've never seen a polar bear? No. They're not fluffy. Don't say that. <laughs> they're very, their hair is, 
uh, well, there's one at the Dallas Zoo. Have you never seen the one at the Dallas Zoo? Mm-mm. Have you been to the Dallas Zoo? Not in a long time. Not since I was a kid. I went to, the last time I went to a zoo was the Fort Worth Zoo. There is one at there. I think there's one at the Fort Worth Zoo too. I don't remember seeing it. Seems like you're only concerned with seeing the Chicago polar bear. What if I am a polar bear and I can't <laughs> see other polar oh, bears? Oh, is that isn't that like how vampires work? Oh God. <laughs> well, the polar bears I have seen are not the big fluffy polar bears. They are... They look like maybe they should be in the Arctic in their natural environment and not locked in a cage. Well, the ones that they have here are... There's different breeds, if that's what they're called. Species? I don't know. But the ones here don't don't need... We'll get a tweet about it. (laughs) Strands, yeah. Uh, They don't need it to be as cold as ones that, like, obviously, or they'd die because it's a thousand degrees outside right now. But they always just kind of look... I don't know, their hair always, they need to look good scrubbing. They're all matted? Yeah, they're matted and kind of yellowy. I don't think you give them a bath. <laughs> I, I think, think they No, I think, because they're vicious as fuck. They'll <laughs> tear your face off. That's why I love them, because they look all cuddly and nice, and they'll tear your goddamn face My off. My favorite animal is a sloth. Oh, and you got to hold a sloth, and you, you I loved it. I have met three sloths. That's not fair that you met three sloths, and I've met zero polar bears. Well, I openly wept. <laughs> The first time I met a sloth. I think I would cry if I saw a polar bear. I, well, I had an encounter. Oh, that's right. You said you got to hold it. Well, they don't let you hold them because they're, they've got like five inch talons that will rip your skin off. Like they have to wear protective clothing when they hold them. It was hanging from a tree branch. They wheeled it in. (laughs) And it just doesn't move. And no, its head moved very slowly. There is video and pictures. I literally, when they wheeled it in, I just burst into tears it i mean i couldn't even control it just te- weeping weeping and then they were like do you want to feed it a grape and i was like <laughs> of course i <laughs> couldn't do. even talk so then i got to feed it a grape and it turned its little head towards me and its little eyes and it just opened its mouth slowly and i dropped the grape in. i was and there's a picture of me doing this i'll put it on our instagram and i'm just like <laughs> so happy <laughs> but like a mess like just tears streaming down my face and then it's Sharkarosa Ranch, which is outside Denton, which is a mm-hmm. animal refuge uh, sanctuary. I got to meet two sloths. They were in love. They were a couple. <gasps> I got to go in their little habitat and just stand there. And I held their hands. They were holding hands. Their little talons were holding. And you got into it. And you were in a sloth. Three I way. was in a sloth three way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they and and then one of them just licked my hand. <gasps> So that's definitely a sloth. Yeah, theory. yeah. I think that was he was it sealed the deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm what I, I'm. They took me as their bride that day, <laughs> and uh, it was the cutest thing. It's I've ever. I love I, it. Ella has like six sloths. Oh, twice. Also, Tommy makes fun of how I say the plural of sloth. Sloths. I don't. I can't say that. Okay, you say sloths. I don't hear what I'm saying wrong, <laughs> but every time I say. Oh, do you want to go see the sloths? Tommy's like, what? It's like, bitch, you know what I said. Sloths. 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 So I'm not saying the TH. That's fine. It's a superfluous. Sloths. Like dental sloths. <laughs> That's what the, they did to you when you I've always had a bit of a speech impediment. So I think well, maybe that we'll talk it comes out. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. say Worcestershire sauce. That <laughs> is a hard one. That's fine. So there's a lot of words you can't say. I went to college with a girl that can say ambulance. Did she, was she say ambulance? Ambulance? Am, ambul, ambulance or something. Ambulance? Yeah, it was something weird. Well, that's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, well. Mm. <laughs> Worcestershire is a hard Worcestershire. word. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Yeah, that's Worsh- hard. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. 
rural jerk. <laughs> It's all sometimes words are hard. And, yeah, and sloss is one of them. Sloss is a hard word. <laughs> Anyways, that's my favorite. I love Here's it. another idea we should write: a polar bear and a sloth on a great adventure in the city. <gasps> oh my god, yes! <laughs> the sloth can Sandy ride sloth. on the polar bear's. The sloth rides on the polar bear's back, and they go on fun times. Polly, together. it's P A U L I E. Polly, it's a guy polar bear. And Polly the bear and Sammy the sloth. Sammy the sloth is Sammy a girl or a boy? I think Sammy's a girl. Okay, well. We're going to write this, and I don't remember the other Copyright. one. Copyright. Tommy the Spider. Tommy the Spider. <laughs> that's from, uh, that's an old th- throwback reference. Yes, that is. Okay, so these guys are hiding out in a Mayberry-like thousand-person town, surrounded by what sounds like uh, horrible- Terrible conditions. Horrible forest from the Princess Bride. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's the bog of eternal stench. Yes. Surrounds this beautiful town. And there's a polar bear. And a polar bear is just wandering around. Also, I really like that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police were like, get a picture of it. Post it. Post it on Twitter. <laughs> Do it. Is it just roaming around? Yeah, it's just walking through. We'll post it on the Instagram. It's Well, they got to roam somewhere. Yeah, he looks happy. Yeah. He escaped from the Lincoln Park Zoo. <laughs> That's where he <laughs> is. It's him. God dang it. The deputy mayor of Gillum further described the horrible conditions. If they're uh, wandering around in the bush, they couldn't have picked a worse time because the sandflies came out three days ago and they are just voracious. Sandflies are flying insects that feast on human blood for sustenance. They carry diseases like Chandipura virus, a deadly cousin of rabies, as well as multiple diseases that cause fever and welts on the skin. They are a distant cousin to sandworms, which is a <gasps> ah, natural like predator, <laughs> natural predator to Beetlejuice. Yeah, I was gonna say that's, that's, <laughs> that's can't be thing. true. Sandflies, I believe these are the same things that they have in like Key West and Florida too. They look vicious, and I have been bitten by them, <laughs> and you don't realize it's. Or maybe those are sand fleas. Sand fleas are where you walk in the sand and they get it. Like Galveston has sand fleas. Yes. And they just, you don't, you can't see them. It's almost like. But then you get out and you're fleas. like, what the hell happened to my legs? It's yeah. Like you, it's like worse than so chicken sand pox. flies and sand fleas are a little different. They're different. But have you ever seen bot fly videos? I will not watch it's those. It's like next level Dr. Pimple Popper. I can't. I can't. I'm obsessed with her. Love her so I much. can't deal with her either. I told <gasps> you. The only time I can watch her is if I'm pregnant. Okay. And third trimester only. only. <laughs> That's the only like time. A three I month can... window. Yeah, I'm like, all right, now it's time. <laughs> it's it's too much for me. I can't even really like listen to descriptions about it, or it just makes me a little queasy. But it's a lot of people like it. I mean, I she wouldn't it. have a billion dollar show or however she's making if people didn't love Paris it. he was with his family and an ad came on for it. And his family was like, who would ever have watched that? That's disgusting. And he quietly was like, Heather liked it. I was like, well, I'm trying to make him like me, dude. Don't front me out. He goes, you do. Like I do. When I was at the nail salon a couple months was ago, I was had my earbuds in and I was watching Love Island. Oh, nice. On my phone. Well, unbeknownst to me, because I was watching on my phone. The U.S. version of Love Island was on on the TV in there. My sister's all about the U.S. version. I haven't. Well, I've only one. She said that the announcer guy really makes. There's like a narrator. Yeah, the narrators are fun. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, the one for the British one's very fun. Well, anyways, all of a sudden, like I realized what was happening, and so I paused it, and then I heard one of the other patrons go, "What is this? Who would watch this? This is so raunchy." And then the manager of my nail salon goes. Some people think this is entertainment, and I just want to be like, uh, right, right here, here, this bitch does. <laughs> and they just kept going on and on about how trashy it was and how people liked it was trashy. And I'm like, meanwhile, I'm going to get back to season three. 
the best season. I'm on season five right now. Don't let anyone judge your television Thank you. Watching. My water bottle should be here any day. Oh, that's right. You got a Love Island personalized. I'm very excited. Personalized. <laughs> it is personalized. Love Island water bottle. I'm yes. so excited. Uh, it'll be here any day now. I'm very excited about it. My nail salon only ever plays diners, drive-ins, and dives. I would much prefer that. Dude. Mine's either Wheel of Fortune. Oh, no. Or, which is my least favorite game show. Or um, sometimes they'll have, like, a reality show on. But everyone's always, like, talking over it, and so you can't really, like, get invested. I can't. I don't have cable, but if I got cable, it would literally only be to watch Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I love that show so much. We don't have cable either, and every time we go to my mom's, all we watch is Food Network. I love it. Yeah. It makes me – Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, it feels like – emotionally healing to watch it because he's so happy we tried to go to a diners drive-ins and dives place in san antonio and the service was so terrible (gasps) that we left too much of a dive i dove too deep they did or they they got too much business they can't handle it damn with the suspects seemingly making their way east authorities believe they were headed towards ontario but who were these two teens on the run according to alan schmigelski briar's father His son was left in terrible pain and became introverted after his parents' divorce in 2005. Upon his parents splitting up, Briar's mother took him with her when she moved to Port Alberni, a Vancouver Island community where Briar met Cam McLeod in elementary school. Alan described the two as an inseparable pair who were just a couple of good kids. But Briar struggled and left his mother's home to briefly live with his father before returning to Port Alberni to live with his grandmother. While estranged from Briar's mother, Briar apparently began to mistakenly believe he was of Russian heritage. This led him to idolize Russian President Vladimir Putin and U.S. President Donald Trump. According to his father, he uh, likes strong speakers. Well, Dwight Schrute likes strong speakers, but it was Mussolini and, (laughs) you know. I mean, is there much of a difference? I mean, I don't, this is a strange, it sounds to me like a kid looking for an identity. And there's probably a lot of mental health things going and on and he's struggling with his parents' divorce, which can really just shatter a child's worldview at that true. age. And if he's thinking, well, I need to fit. I don't fit in with mom. I don't fit in with dad. I don't fit in with grandma. I don't fit in anywhere. Oh, I'm Russian. Maybe this, you know, try to find a yes. group, an he's identity. Lost. Yeah. Al admitted that Briar may have been negatively influenced as well. His influences haven't been good. His influences have been YouTube and video games. Can we just for a minute say, fuck everybody who thinks video games cause violence? Um, I don't know. I think it can help. Not help. I think it can. I think if you are already suffering from mental health problems and you're playing a ton of first-person shooter games and then you start to fantasize what would that feel like if this wasn't a game? And then the lines between reality and fantasy start to get blurred. There's a connection there. I don't think they're 100% to blame, but I think you people that are somebody. already suffering can easily be influenced. Yes. Do you ever, this is not an argument I have, but it's a, this is a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if someone had violent thoughts and fantasies, Playing the game could release the dopamine that they would normally get from actually acting on those things? Or do you think it would just create an uh, unfillable pit within them that eventually the simulated violence or whatever wouldn't be enough and they would have to actually go and act on it? That one. You think the second one? If if they are – I mean, for a normal rational person, which are most people that play these types of games – 
it's not going to have that effect. But I think if you're already a violent person who is mentally ill and you want to act out violently and you're playing these games to like feel that rush and that urge. It's like a means towards escalation. Yeah, and you start to fantasize and tell others like like he started doing, telling his friends, what if this wasn't fake? What if what would what do you think this would feel like if this was real? Do Which he was it, telling his friends and family in middle school. Do you think it matters at a certain age? I I don't know about that. I'm sure there's studies that have. I wonder if you're 25 and you play a first person shooter game. If your brain is developed enough to understand that you don't get that same versus if you're 13 mm-hmm. and you're put into something that's. I mean, sometimes the graphics are so good. And it's creating some, maybe your brain's not mature enough to separate reality and fantasy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think if you're a healthy person at any age and you just are playing a video game, it's going to cause you to do this stuff. Okay. I think there's already stuff going on. It would have to be someone with a predisposition. Mm, yes. But I think once you start, I just had this talk with my therapist. Okay. Because we were talking about the mass shootings and I was saying, I... What what happened to make these such a prevalent thing? Because when I was in mm-hmm. high school, they weren't a concern. No. They hadn't happened yet. I was in college when Columbine happened. Mm-hmm. I never worried about someone bringing a gun to school. Like, that just wasn't a thought that crossed my mind. Yeah, me neither. And we've always had guns. We've always had mental health problems. What we haven't always had is social media. Oh, And he said it takes about 10 years for really good psychology studies to come out because you have to compile all the data. Mm -hmm. There has a lot of research. It has to go through ethics committees and be vetted and everything. So things are just now starting to come out like really good studies about social media and the impact it has on people. And my therapist, one of the things he does is work with sex offenders for to determine recidivism. Okay, And he does not have social media he's like opposed to all of your therapist yes but he learns a lot from and they're teenagers teen sex offenders he learns a lot from them and they say he's learned that the two things that really cause problems are freedom and anonymity Ooh, and that's what the internet gives you exactly wow you will say things online to a person that you would never say to their face that's why i think the discourse has gotten so bad And I think we talked about this in a previous episode because you see something and you don't have time to digest it before you respond to it. Yes. Or you're in an echo chamber and you're just sharing information that might not be factual and you're just seeing things that people share to you that might be of the same, you know, political views. So you're just all only seeing the things you want to see. And if it's dangerous and unhealthy and misinformed then it just becomes this like dangerous echo chamber true or if you have someone who say this guy goes online and says man i love to play this video game and i wish it were real there are forums out there where it is fully anonymous and for fun for lulls as the the youth say Mm -hmm. they'll say go do it you should fucking do it sure go get a gun you're being a pussy go do it or whatever and because it's anonymous that's just the internet that's and they're anonymous they can say and in their minds they're like i didn't have anything to do with it he's gonna do whatever he's gonna do but that could have been the thing that pushed him over the edge Mm -hmm. that's a great point i think my initial fucking ready says it was video games is what you your caveat was that it's not everybody that plays video games but if you are of course not predisposed to something like this not everybody that has a gun is gonna kill someone I mean, there's there's other stuff yeah. going on, you know, to to create the 
whatever happens in someone's brain to let them walk into a school and open fire on everybody. Yeah. It's a combination of a lot of things. But I think social media has greatly attributed to the problem of it. Oh, and I think, too, if this guy's looking for somebody to belong to or fit in with and you stumble onto one video, then the next, then the next, then you get into some sort of a group on Facebook or on a forum or whatever, and it starts to get... We'll see where we'll, we'll see where this watching. Goes. I don't know what YouTube stuff he's watching, but if you're if you aren't socially connected to real people in your life and mm-hmm. you're just sitting behind a computer screen watching a bunch of YouTube videos that are Nazi propaganda or whatever he's watching, like that's what your brain's being filled with all mm-hmm. day. It's not just social media, it's the internet in general. Yeah. That allows for people to have this freedom and anonymity that they just can't handle and access to a lot more information than they wouldn't have had otherwise it's true with great reward comes great responsibility I mean, it's true and that's the the question we have about how much freedom how much do you value freedom and do you value oh, it I more mean, than lives every it, war we've ever had is turn, fought over freedom yeah and it turns out we have as a society said we believe the freedom to own guns is more important than people's safety yeah i mean currently the state of the law right now is in the united states is that is that Autonomy and freedom is more important than someone's safety. I don't personally believe that. But <laughs> I I don't know what the answer is. No. I just know there's a lot of problems. I, I think there's a lot of things that have to change, but I don't think changing just one of anything is really going mm-hmm. to fix anything. People that have mental health problems like this guy, like my therapist was saying about the El Paso shooter, they're like, he was never going to go to a psychologist. No, he's never going to get help. And his, you know, so he says as a mental health professional, every time he hears people say, we got to change the mental health in this country. Sure. But also, how much can we do? What are you going to grab that guy off the street? Yeah. Or he's like, even if as a kid, his parents made him go to therapy, he's not going to talk. He's like, I can tell you right now that guy's not going to get help. So what is a mental health professional can I do to help him? Mm-hmm. You know, like any type of ther- therapy is a two way street. Yeah. The person's got to be accepting and, and willing and participating in order to change. So we can change all that and we should. Absolutely. I don't think it's 100 percent going to fix the problem. Yeah. It's a component. So, again, I don't know what the answer is. I just know I got a lot of questions and a lot of hot takes. <laughs> That's why we love you. <laughs> thank you so much. My favorite part of my week is your hot takes. Oh, thank you. One of the neighbors who lived near Briar's grandmother also described a change in him. Apparently, he had previously been a friendly boy and well-liked, but according to the neighbor, he began to make people feel uncomfortable. One of the most notable incidents was when he showed kids in the neighborhood photos of himself wearing a Nazi armband and confessing how he imagined playing first-person shooter games in real life. He had also sent a photo of a swastika armband and a Hitler youth knife to a friend on the video game platform, Steam. These are bold moves. They are. What in the hell? And his dad said... I don't ever understand. Go ahead. His dad said, um, you know, and this is not at all uh, blaming his dad, but he, he said they would all go out into the woods and play these games. And he said it was kind of like a real life video game. He wanted an air shooter gun, which is just a rifle that shoots air Mm -hmm. and he bought him fatigues and stuff and he was like i just thought he and his buddies were going out to the woods and playing like a video game but i was happy he was getting outdoors and doing it and being social and stuff we used to play paintball when i was in high school yeah i've played paintball a couple times around and shoot each other paintball. those things hurt like a bitch dude 
I feel like you can't hit me with a paintball because I'm a girl, which is just so bad for the female. Yeah. To just like set us back. That did. You but set us back with that paintball game. I'm not trying to get a bruise. I'm not trying they to get bru- I had bruises for weeks after a paintball game that I played once. But so, you know, his dad, I'm sure, feels a lot of guilt, too, and shoulda, woulda, couldas. But that just because your do kid does that. My brother paid, played paintball. He had tons of paintball stuff yeah and he's a normal person like just because you do those things does not mean you're gonna take it that step but it's like a mixture that you. i think when you start saying to your friends what if this what if this game was real what if we were really shooting people that's when it gets a little a little more scary yeah i think then you're you're the red flags start to get raised police have begun to investigate briar's nazi paraphernalia alan says he was also aware of his son's nazi fascination Apparently, eight months before the murders, Alan took Briar to an army surplus store, where Briar took a liking to the Nazi artifacts. Alan drugged the boy from the store and admonished him that his father's own grandparents had to flee the Ukraine during World War II. That's a bad sign. He starts getting into Nazi memorabilia. Yeah, I never. I don't think that's ever a good sign. It's <laughs> a bad sign. I don't think that's, you know... Um, you're like, would you come home with some precious moments? No, I got this Nazi armband. You're like, oh, I wish it was a precious moment yeah. doll. That Even would though be better. I do not like those things. I'd much <laughs> rather it be very creepy. I'd <laughs> much rather it be that than any type of Nazi thing. I just, as a parent, you you got to beat your kid's ass for that. I mean, not really. You yeah. know what I mean? Just as well, my I mother would you... say it, jerk a knot in their tail, which just means... <laughs> Come, you know, come to Jesus meeting, whatever. And yeah. you say, we don't do that in this yeah, house. Yeah, you Holy explain shit. why this is wrong. It's and disrespectful to millions and millions exactly, of people. And what it means and how it's not yeah, just it's a symbol just, and it stands for something. It's like the Confederate you. flag. Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of shit because one of my neighbors has a Confederate flag. So when everybody... Here? Yeah, yeah, up the street. You'll see it. They got a hilarious... Uh, uh, I've custom, never seen it. The Confederate flag's not hilarious, but their custom license plate, I'll tell you off the air because I don't want anybody to look it up, but... Every time Austin Guttery comes to my house for uh, watermelon, we're improv comedy rehearsal. He's like, drove by the enormous Confederate flag in your. Tell me where this is. I'm going to drive by it on my way home. Yeah, I'll tell you off the air. (laughs) It's huge. I can't believe I haven't seen it. It's massive. Well, they should take it down. Well, if you listen, take it down. It's their yard. I don't care. It's. That's a, God, can you imagine being a neighbor on either side of no, that? No, I'd probably have a petition started for them to take it down. You're going to go over there and cut it down yourself. <laughs> I'm going to go burn it. Christy's yeah. working that pole. <laughs> In a different way than di- normal. Working that pole for the USA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please somebody make a poster that says that or a shirt. <laughs> well, former middle school classmates described Briar as weird and that he would make upsetting comments about wanting to kill them and then kill himself. He had also said he wanted to kill his whole family, and in an alarming 2015 Facebook post said, Guns don't kill people. It's mostly the bullets. These are a lot of red flags. Lots of red flags, yeah. Lots of red flags. I'm trying to imagine my friends who are middle school teachers, if a student told the teacher that another student said that i mean you have to i think you report you it. have to report it yeah. there's gonna be you know counselor sessions yeah. and all kinds of stuff like that that's i mean you can get on lockdown nowadays for saying stuff True. like this man briar and cam had been working together at walmart for a little over a month when they both decided to quit and search for something better briar had even saved up money to buy a nice suit his father now believes it was meant to be his funeral suit He's on a suicide mission. He wants his pain to end, and basically, 
He's going to be dead today or tomorrow. I know that. Rest in peace, Briar. I love you. I'm sorry all this had to happen. And this father is saying this on a news interview. Before any sort yes. of, while the two were on the run. Yes. And can you imagine you've, you have somehow, and he's breaking down throughout it this and is, he's devastated. This is a real thing. It's called pre-grieving. Where, where you already know that there, where you start, you, I start, you I, assume that something's going to happen. So you plan for it. My dad initially went into the hospital and they were like, you have a giant tumor and all this liquid on your lungs. When you Google that, it pops up small cell lung cancer and mm-hmm. when you google that like by the time it's at this this is technically stage four and mm-hmm. when you google that it tells you the amount of time that sure. someone has left and i just would be at like three o'clock in the morning just wake up and just be reading and just be like weeping that's why you don't google well I, but i mean and i mean it didn't help any but i was doing that then i started reading cheryl sandberg's book option b where she talks about when her husband passed away really really quickly like mm-hmm. it, it she From was cancer no he had a brain aneurysm while he was oh, in the wow. shower he like worked out in the morning they were at a mexican resort and she went off for a walk and he was like went to work out and took a shower and just collapsed in the shower and just died <sighs> And it just happened out of nowhere. And they're, you know, I mean, whatever, in their 40s, 50s, and never expected that to happen. And she talks about the grieving process and having to deal with it and stuff like that. And so I started reading that book. And you just, you, in advance, you can, like, imagine it all. Yeah. You start to just go, this is what the funeral is going to look like. And this is what my life's going to look like when this is over. And this is, like, this is my new reality. And you kind of, it's not, it doesn't mean you accept it especially right away but it definitely is a pathway to grieving like dealing with grief is like this Mm pre-grief concept my therapist would also say acceptance is not the same as approval oh i love that Mm -hmm. i love that giving everybody some free therapy well i don't know if you pass it on take it for what you will you may or may not agree with it i love it he's got some good ideas he's fantastic well, not much has come out yet on Cam McLeod, or what may have possibly led him to embark on a killing spree with his friend. Many have speculated that Briar has been the mastermind behind the operation, and Cam may just be following his lead. Cam's family has been too distraught to appear in interviews, but his dad did issue a statement that in part read, This is what I do know. Cam is a kind, considerate, caring young man who always has been concerned about other people's feelings. Again, these poor families that are just left with these questions of Why? what is happening. We can't get a, uh, just could we done something grieving else? and yeah, you're grieving, but also like is it my fault? And his dad also said, you know, all we want is for him to come back to us so we can get answers to the story and figure out what's going on. You're just so confused. You're also grieving. There's just so many emotions None of them good. No, and you're like, how did I even get here? Yeah, it's just like you woke up in this nightmare that you, a living nightmare you can't wake up Mm -hmm. from. That's, yeah, it's terrible. The last confirmed sighting of the two suspects was in Gillum, Manitoba on July 22nd. Shortly after, investigators received a tip from local residents that spotted black billowing smoke while out picking strawberries. When police arrived, they found the stolen gray Toyota RAV4 that the two men had been driving in flames on a highway just outside of town. It had belonged to Leonard Dyke. Inside the car, investigators found evidence of the teen's time on the lam, including empty sardine cans, half-eaten pork chops, and propane bottles. You finish the sardines and you only eat half of the pork chop? <laughs> I don't, I can't explain that one either. They have got their priorities maybe, way out of Maybe work. they had to suddenly get away. 
You just take the pork chop yeah. with you. Always take the pork chop. Actually, I don't eat pork because I have a pet pig. But that's true. I, I'm not gonna say it's not delicious. <laughs> I I have taste in bacon. I'm not a crazy person. I bacon I'm, for breakfast. I'm very aware it's delicious. Upon abandoning the stolen car, authorities presumed the men were hiding out in the dense brush surrounding Gillum. On August 2nd, Canadian search divers found a severely damaged tinny, a small open aluminum boat, on the banks of the Nelson River near Gillum, further confirming their suspicions. The Nelson River is about 644 kilometers long and connects Lake Winnipeg and Hudson Bay. The badly damaged boat showed signs that it had been through rapids, leading law enforcement and rescue crews to search the nearby waters. It has also been reported that other personal items, presumably belonging to the teens, were found along the riverbank. While police have not yet issued any details, residents whose tips helped authorities locate the items have spoken to the media. Clint Sawchuck, a tour guide, said he spotted a blue sleeping bag caught in some brush in the Nelson River and immediately called it in. Yeah, because this isn't a place where people really go camping. No, I imagine it's... On account of the sandworms and the polar bears. (laughs) There's all sorts of... Sand and polar bears. All in one place. And swamp. It's it's the nexus of the universe. <laughs> How can I be on first the same street first? intersects with itself. <laughs> I'm at the nexus of the universe. Seinfeld. Always. <laughs> always. Did I tell you I was watching Seinfeld in Paris and never seen it? And it's... What? He's never, he knows some of the like references that have been in pop culture, but there's full episodes that he hasn't seen. So we were watching the contest episode. Oh, and, you know, classic. They all say, well, you know, we're not going to... And they never actually mention what they're not going to do, right? They don't ever say masturbate. No. They probably couldn't. Yeah, it's true. But then they go to Jerry's apartment and, you know, they see the naked lady and Kramer. Just, I'm out. Kramer. Yeah. Kramer slips out. And then when he comes back in and he slams his money down and he goes, I'm out. Paris just belly left. And it was so He awesome. never seen it. <laughs> so great. <laughs> so joyful to watch someone to see that through the, for I mean, the first I could time fall asleep and i could quote it in my oh sleep. same yeah every almost every speaking episode. of diners and drive-ins and dives is comforting sign diners and drivers what is it diners, diners dive-ins triple d yeah let's just call it that that's what my nickname was in high school too <laughs> that is comforting but seinfeld is very comforting i've been watching because i've been working so much and i'm very exhausted. I've just constantly been watching Seinfeld. It's like a hug. Yeah, I love it. I I because I can start him at any place. One of my uh, party party talents is I in within two seconds of a Seinfeld, I can tell you the entire plot. What the episode yeah. is? Yeah, I just I that's how much I have to see. And yeah, it is. It's like a warm hug. I feel mm-hmm. that way about The Office and Friends too. And Parks and Rec for me. The Office and Parks and Rec. I didn't get into Park. I love Parks and Rec, but I haven't watched it I enough like to be as familiar with it to as it. as the other three. Yeah. Well, survival experts suggest that the two men would have struggled to stay alive if they had attempted to hide in that area due to the excess of bugs and swampy water, unless they were properly trained and equipped. Lee Stroud, the famous Canadian survivalist known as Survivor Man, said... Maybe they're uh, pretending they're in the Hunger Games. This is absolutely not Tarzan. This is fugitives doing whatever they can to escape and evade. They're not war vets trained in wilderness survival. This is not Rambo. They're not hiding in mud banks. These are a couple of kids on the run. How many more movies was he going to (laughs) list? This isn't Hot Tub Time Machine. This is not Apocalypse Now. This isn't Apocalypse Now. This is not The Big Lebowski. There's no Private Ryan to be saved. Gone with the Wind. (laughs) This is not Finding Nemo. There's no Casablanca. (laughs) Yeah, just finally they're like, "Uh, Lee, we stopped recording about 20 minutes (laughs) ago. (laughs) 
Are you just trying to make it through the IMDb Top 100? What's going on right now? This is not the Dallas Buyers Club. This is not. Now you're just saying Matthew McConaughey. This is movies. not Million Dollar Baby. Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> He's just saying movies. He's yeah. broken. Someone turn him around. Shake him. He's broken. He does this. Oh, man. It's from being out in the wilderness. I went through a phase where I was really big into survivalist shows. Oh, really? Like Survivor Man, Naked and Afraid. Who's bit? My mom loves Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid is My favorite fun. is when she talked about that she watched Naked and Afraid with my dad, and he's like, what do you win? And she goes, nothing. And he was like, why? <laughs> what is this? You win... Uh, some you learn something about yourself, and that's priceless. So. You te- you push yourself to the limits, if and you want- and gain confidence, and learn what you're really made of. Don't go on TV; just go to the woods and take your pants off. I think they do get money. Maybe I think all reality shows you get a, they a, get a compensation. They get something like yeah. Judge Judy. The Judge Judy just pays the whatever you win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and on Survivor, pay. the Obviously, the winner gets the million before taxes, and runner-up gets a hundred thousand. But even other contestants, if you make it to a certain part in the show, you also get paid. Oh, that's nice, like thirty or forty thousand. So there's, but they don't advertise it's all not that. A full waste of time. Survivor, even if you're there for one day, in my opinion, is never a waste of time because of what you learn about yourself. <laughs> I'm not even being cheesy. Like I the feel like prize that inside. show, like pushes yourself to your greatest limits and. Just leaves you a better person. Afterwards. I would be like Kramer. Just psh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Put my money down after the first time you had to swim in the ocean, oh, dive gross. down, and no. open a trunk. <laughs> I don't want something crawling in my pee hole. Oh well, the ocean's the least of your concerns on Survivor. Other it's things the, are going to crawl in my pee it's hole. The bugs that'll get you, <gasps> or the rats. The old sand flies. There's usually a lot of rats. Yeah. Well, Survivor Man is also fun, and he is a. Who is the other survivalist? Bear Grylls? Yeah, he's kind of, he wouldn't he proven to be a little bit fake? <gasps> I didn't know that. Yeah. I always thought he was too pretty to be an outdoorsman. Yeah, yeah. I like I want a, someone that looks like the brawny well, he, paper towel guy. He always would say, "I'm doing this totally by myself." And they're like, "Then how'd you get that shot of you?" Who's holding the camera? Like walking over the bridge across the waterfall. How are you rappelling down the mountain? He was like, "I attached a camera to a toucan." <laughs> The polar bear. I befriended it. <laughs> well, it eventually came out. He's like, well, I do have some camera people that come. And it's like, but Lee Stroud is totally by himself. Like on The Office with Michael where he cuts his pant leg off and puts it <laughs> as a hat. there like an hour. Um, and he would set up the – he. I watched this whole like behind the scenes thing. And he's like, it would take four hours to shoot like one thing because he would have to set up the camera Get the shot of him walking away, walk all the way back, pick up the camera, pack it back up, go to his next location. And he was always by himself. It's exhausting. But he, I think he also likes, like, you have to enjoy being by yourself. He doesn't want to talk to other people, which he has a wife and kids. Yeah. But also, yeah, send me to a forest for a few days. (laughs) Not, not where I have to survive. Send me to a forest with a resort. Yeah. Just in the middle of the forest, like a tree house. I think you'd love just, to stay at a, a resort, fancy treehouse. The resort in the forest is the treehouse. You can on Airbnb. They have the special, you unique can. things now. Yeah. I'm staying in a yurt. You can stay in a 1990s house in Dallas for $130 a night. It looks like the Max from Say by the Bell. Oh. There's an Airbnb that the bedrooms what? have like new kids on the block posters, and then the kitchen looks like say, uh, like the Max. It's, I want to stay there. Yeah. It's, I think, fairly nearby here. I'm it's in East to, Dallas. I'm going to have to figure this out. I'm just going to befriend the person so I can just okay. go whenever I want. Let me hang out. 
Well, the nationwide manhunt continued, with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police receiving dozens of tips from local residents as to the suspect's potential whereabouts. Some even speculated that the two may have crossed undetected into the United States. Terry Grant, a cowboy known as Man Tracker, believes the two suspected murderers befell a much more grisly fate in the unforgiving wilderness. If they got in there, four to ten kilometers deep and expired, they may never be found. All those guys had to do was go eight kilometers in or around the lake, expire over there. Animals would make most of them disappear and their bodies would just go back into the ground. That's me, Man Tracker. <laughs> Man Tracker might be the best name. First of all, he's not just a person named Man Tracker, given the name the moniker Man Tracker. He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy called Man Tracker. So two of like one of the most badass I guess it's a profession. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now he's called Man Tracker. Are you a detective? I'm a goddamn Man Tracker. <laughs> man, don't you call me detective that. Detective Man Tracker. <laughs> MD. I want to watch that Whoa. show. Jur- <laughs> Jurisprudence. <laughs> Esquire. Detective yeah. man, man Tracker. MD Esquire. <laughs> well, footage from helicopters searching for the suspects did show a polar bear wandering around the area where the two were potentially hiding. It's true. Have you ever seen. The documentary Grizzly Man? No. Oh, girl. I, th- I know what happens. Yeah. He turns into a grizzly. He does. He becomes a bear. <laughs> no, it's actually very tragic. Very and so we shouldn't make fun of it. I wasn't it's, making fun of it. I've never seen the movie. I was doing a bit. It's, um, it's great, though. But you're left going, all right. Why? Why, sir? So Why? many questions. A lot of questions, but it's a, it's a very interesting documentary. Interesting. I will have to watch it. And it proves bears are not always our friends. Bears beats <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> They're the fiercest animal in the animal kingdom, I already said. Well, on August 7th, Canadian police discovered two bodies in a dense brush area, roughly a mile from where the tinny and other belongings were found on the riverbank. While an autopsy has been ordered to confirm the identities of the deceased, as well as the cause of death, RCMP Assistant Commissioner Jane McClatchy told reporters, I am confident it is them, but to identify them officially and to be sure, we have to go to an autopsy. While police have not issued a formal statement, the RCMP Manitoba tweeted on Wednesday, The search is over. While it appears the manhunt may have come to an end and residents of Gillum can once again breathe easy, the tragedy these two men have left in their wake will never be resolved or forgotten. So this is very recent. This was two days ago from when we're recording. We'll probably have to do an update episode. Yes. This so today out. is the ninth. The seventh was when these bodies were found and they issued a statement. So and this episode will air on the fourteenth. There you go. So it's um, it's very fresh. I feel like they're telling the public clearly it is them. But they have to do their due diligence before issuing a a formal statement. But it will probably be issued in the next few days. That makes sense. So what do we think? I can't. Do you think it's them? Well, I think the bodies they found are them. I do too. There has to be, and of course it hasn't been released, but aside from the stolen car from Leonard Dyke's stolen car and then finding his body and then finding the burned out car later and then this sort of evidence that two people are living in the car plus they were seen – it's definitely the their trail. You know, they definitely did this. But why, A, why, and B, was it the Leonard Dyke may have straight up just been 
robbery motive that they just wanted to steal his car yeah. and it was the first person they saw and they think oh he's older than us we can overpower someone but my question would be lucas fowler was a big guy he's six yeah. foot three he they were looked, big guys too but that's true but my my thing but would be, why pull over and start something with them why would you especially if their van was broken down yeah so if you're gonna looking for a motive of stealing a car or it clearly was i mean unless something else is revealed later like or sexual it could assault, just be it's thrill killing wanting to kill like thrill killing yeah. and you see two people sitting there and you think oh they're sitting ducks yeah. so it's there's not going to, even with an answer, it's not an answer. You know, it's, it's not, not going to be one that's easy to wrap your head around no. or that makes this justifiable in any means, of course, or even since. But, and, you know, because they're both dead, most likely, we'll Unless probably never know. Left behind a manifesto. Yeah. Or a diary. Maybe. Or Texas. You know, I don't know. Them. I wonder if, I think Breyer may have just wanted to see what it was like. He, you know, he like the a thrill kill thing and he got his best friend to kind of come along with him. Not a lot has been released about Cam, so it's hard to speculate like what it may be in his motive. But it seems like Briar had an affinity for the dark and twisted and violent violence and violent leaders. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, that can lead to really bad places. And if he brought his best friend along and they just kind of got wrapped up in it, I wonder if they died from the elements or if it was suicide. Yeah. As the father thought it was going to be. The f and one of the quotes, we didn't include it, but they did extensive interviews with Survivor Man and Man Tracker. And the two of them were discussing relationship dynamics. And I think another Between one... Between the two men? And another person in the interview was another, a detective with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And they were discussing, you know, if one person is the leader and mm -hmm. one person's the follower and the follower argues with the leader mm -hmm. and you push him too far, then he kills them. And then is he guilty and he kills himself? Or yeah. It's just at this point, until they obviously do an autopsy and figure out cause of death if yeah. they did just starve to death or they were bitten or one was bitten and one stayed behind you know it's almost like the lost girls of panama where yeah. you wonder did one get injured and the other one tried to go get help or whatever how close they were found so we wanted to cover this because at, before today today yeah when they found all the bodies and have identified them this was an ongoing hunt but now it seems like at least the suspects have been caught their bodies the have, have been recovered yeah yeah you know, I I wish they had been caught alive. Just to get more answers for and, the family. Yeah, and so they would have to pay for what yeah, they had done. Punishment. And, you know, it's because it even though it will never bring their loved ones back, to have some sort of justice brought to the perpetrators for those families, they're just at a complete loss. Absolutely. Why did this happen? Why, what could, you know. And, and nobody, there's no reason. It's the wrong no, place, wrong time. Yeah. And what you can't live your whole life going, well, I'll never go on a road trip in Canada. No, that's no, what, you no. mean no matter what you do. Yep. So. Well, let us know what you guys think. Like like we said, this is still kind of a developing story, so we will do an update as needed. Yeah, as more information is released. We are thrilled to announce that on August 22nd at Intera Bank Books in Dallas, Texas, we have the honor of interviewing acclaimed true crime writer and co-host of the podcast Murder Squad, Billy Jensen, about his new book, Chase Darkness With Me. We would love to see you all there. Information can be found at SinisterHood.com forward slash links. We also have an upcoming improv comedy show with our troupe, The Cult. 
August 17th at 10 p.m. for the grand opening weekend of Dallas Comedy House in Dallas, Texas. Again, head to Sinisterhood.com forward slash links for more information. Sinisterhood will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to our Patreon to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You'll get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout-out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to score some sweet Sinisterhood swag of your own, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop in the top right corner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the internet? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather, what about you? I'm on Instagram at Heather VS The World and on Twitter at MCK VS The World. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Mm, keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon. Here are your Patreon shoutouts. Nicola Clayton. Liban Sue. Mary Picciotti. Sarah Warren. Kristen Pirazzini. Brittany Puckett. Megan Thomas. Julie Bryant. Samantha Patterson. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Keep it creepy. Mwahaha. Sinister.